awe-inspiring seeing this arch of the Milky Way right over the top of your head. And we're just sitting there, you know, talking about whatever random topic we happen to be on. And all of a sudden, whoosh, you know, like you see this bright flash across the sky and the whole field lights up with excitement. Like everybody's like, oh, wow, did you see that? And it's like, you know, 80 or 80 to 100 people out there sharing this amazing human experience. It's, it's just, I can't speak highly enough about it. Welcome to the Artist Engineer Podcast. Join me, Tony Tran. And me, Bill Robert Kashi. Along with our amazing guests, as we explore how people's inner artist and inner engineer present themselves in their technical careers, in the art they create, and most importantly, in living creative lives. Our guest today is Elliot Lawson. Elliot is a recent astrophotographer, capturing beautiful images of the night sky with a telescope, a camera, and sometimes even an iPhone. Professionally, Elliot has been an engineer in the defense industry for 20 years, spending 11 years in the Air Force and currently at Raytheon. Elliot tells us how he first became fascinated with astrophotography, the equipment needed to start, and why he had to share what he was seeing with other people. Elliot tells us about the diverse community of astrophotographers online and in person, and the traits that they share with engineers, like creativity, attention to detail, and fun. Finally, we hear about the amazing human experience of star parties and why he recommends it to every human on the planet. Hi, Elliot. Welcome to the show. Hey, Tony. Thanks for having me. So in a pleasant change for us at the Artist Engineer Podcast, as a guest, you found us instead of us finding you. You're a listener of our show and you connected with us through social media. On Instagram, your handle is Astro Lawson. And you call yourself a photographer and a quasi-engineer. And on Instagram, we saw you were part of a community of astrophotographers with other astro people like Astro Bills and Astro Tonys. Yes, sir. And professionally, <laughs> professionally, you've been an engineer for many years where just like astrophotography, you work and spend your days with uh, lots of precision instruments. To just to start off, why don't we uh, just tell our audience a little bit more about astrophotography, what it is. Um, and how you got started, um, that, that was for us a really fascinating new community that you introduced us to. Absolutely. No problem, Tony. So simply put, astrophotography is taking pictures of the night sky. Uh, they're typically long exposure photographs and between anywhere from 15 seconds to five minutes long, depending on the equipment you use. Uh, you can take a series of these exposures, long exposures, and stack them using software and it uh, drastically improves the uh, signal to noise ratio. So you pick up more detail in the faint objects. Um, how did you get started with this? Uh, I, I know you told us a little earlier that is actually pretty recent for you. How did you get started? How do you, somebody learn how to start in astrophotography? I officially got started in January of this year. So just over 11 months of uh, practice so far, but uh, I got interested last year in the summer Comet Neowise was discovered about the same time as uh, the COVID lockdowns were ramping up. So I decided to buy a telescope. Apparently, everybody had the same idea <laughs> because everything was on back order. So, you know, I ordered my telescope in the summer, didn't get here till like a couple of weeks before Christmas, and immediately got outside and started, you know, looking through the telescope, seeing what I could see right above my head, and just became fascinated instantly. Yeah, the, you, you, met, you had mentioned in our previous call, it was kind of a pandemic hobby. So, so, uh, so something positive coming out of the pandemic, a little more 
maybe time at home on your hands. So uh, <laughs> absolutely, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> After a couple of weeks of looking through the telescope, you know, and sitting outside in the wintertime freezing my butt off, I uh, I just had to start sharing this with people. Like it, it was just so mind blowing, a phenomenal experience sitting out there in the quiet with just my thoughts and looking, you know, looking through my telescope at all these objects. So I uh, I went to the closet and grabbed my wife's camera and tripod. She happens to be an amazing photographer, by the way. Grabbed her uh, gear and started trying taking pictures, you know, in the dark and clicking away and figuring it out as I go along. So talk, talk to us about that gear. What kind of camera do you use? I saw in one of your Instagram posts, you, you use an iPhone as well. I mean, besides probably a very professional camera. Right. So uh, when I, the telescope that's behind me here, it's the uh, Celestron 130 SLT. Uh, and that's what I use for visual observation, but you can also, you know, hold your phone up to the eyepiece or they have adapters that'll hold your phone for you and you can uh, take pictures with your phone through the eyepiece. But now I've graduated to a little bit more advanced gear. So I have a dedicated uh, Canon RA astrophotography camera. So it's a, it's a mirrorless, kind of like a DSLR, but it's mirrorless and it's, uh, it's geared for astrophotography. Most cameras have a, uh, an IR, a UV IR filter. So it cuts out on red eye and everything. And this just doesn't have that filter. So I can pick up on the faint like a, a nebulosity that is the same frequency as what the red eye would pick up. Uh, a long time ago, I was trying to take pictures of the moon with my Canon DSLR. And I remember that even the vibration of the shutter would like make your pictures less clear. Yes. So I didn't realize now they have astrophotography specific cameras. That's amazing. Yeah, they do. And uh, more importantly, even is the, uh, the mount that you use. So essentially I'm using my telescope, the small telescope. It's a 360 by 360 millimeter focal length by 61 millimeter aperture. So it's a relatively small telescope and I'm essentially using it as a, uh, a camera lens. So I put the telescope in my camera on top of this mount and align that to the celestial uh, north celestial pole, the Polaris. And I can track targets as they move across the sky and the stars stay in the same position through each subsequent picture. So there's no motion blur or anything like that. Tony had mentioned in the beginning, in his intro, that uh, you had found us and, uh, and we found you and this community. So you and I communicated a little bit on social media when uh, you first you, you know, complimented the show and we appreciated you as a listener. And I, you mentioned you were you know great show to listen to while under the stars. Yes, sir. Getting the shot. And that, I, I love that, that idea. Um, and you mentioned kind of being out there, being kind of mind-blowing. And that's where I started seeing this larger community of astro. You know, I thought maybe you were the only astro. I was, oh, that's a clever name. And then I was like, wait, everyone's astro something. Everybody <laughs> and their brother has astro in their name. Seems so like, yeah. uh, there's a great community out there. So tell us a little about the community. Because I've followed now a bunch of astros. And I'm blown away by the, uh, you know, the artistic and, uh, and beautiful imagery that's shared. But you folks seem to share a lot more in technical detail with each other than I understand kind of uh, about the shots. Uh, the community has just been an amazing thing to get to know. Like, it's such a diverse community, people from completely different walks of life, just having a, a, a love of the night sky that's it's above us all. And most people you know, don't even really think about what they're, what they're looking at when they see stuff above them. And it's, it's just been such a pleasure to get to know all these people and, you know, learn about their experience and what got them into the hobby and what they think about deeper topics. Like, what, what do, you, do you think there's any life out there? Like, it's just, it's fun to be under the stars with people 
And, you know, you just get to know them. It's a human experience. And we get, to, we get to share this experience and get to know each other. It's just, uh, just been really a lot of fun. It starts to seem like what I do in my day job is more my alter ego and taking photos of stars and sharing that experience and having like a human experience with people and getting to know people in my community. Like that's who I really am. Mm. But, but, you know, when I first started, you know, I'm this engineer guy and this is what I do. This, that's who I am. And oh, this is a fun hobby, but it's starting to shift. And, you know, it's just quite, quite amazing. Um, it's interesting that the exposure to astrophotography kind of, as you said, maybe revealed some deeper kind of part of you that you said is, is maybe your real self instead of your alter ego. Is astrophotography the first time you've uh, really focused on something you would consider creative or artistic? This is your first opportunity to kind of to uh, explore a different part of your personality. You know, I haven't really thought about it that way, but I, I suppose it really has been. Like uh, each picture you see of the Orion Nebula could be slightly different than the next, based on the techniques and the you know the processes the photographer uses to create the image. And yeah, I mean, it does kind of seem that this has really been the first time I've gone all in on something that's you know artistic like this completely throwing myself into it off the deep end you know into the into the abyss off in the deep or whatever you know and <laughs> but for example what, what are the levels of of astrophotography or is it about kind of getting the most difficult most unusual uh targets is it about just the the technical clarity of of uh of of each shot what are the levels that we're talking about uh there's there's levels to several aspects of it so as far as the gear goes the equipment you use it can range anywhere from a basic camera lens and tripod our camera lens and tripod excuse me or all the way up to a fully automated like backyard observatory so it can get as complex as you want it to but there's you can get, jump in anywhere you have a, a dslr camera in your closet you can take that and a lens outside and and give it a shot pun intended you know as far as the targets and everything being new to it, you know, having started in January, I haven't done, I haven't gone through a full year of all the season changes where, you know, the different targets are, you know, cycling through all the different targets. So everything's new to me. And I'm basically just a sponge. I'm trying to absorb everything I can, you know, from other people, seeing what people that have been doing this for several years, what targets are they shooting? What gear are they using? You know, can my gear do that? And just, you know, being inquisitive, trying to, trying to figure it out a little bit at a time. The, the curiosity certainly a uh, a theme in both of these pursuits, your your technical career. And you mentioned earlier uh, about, I mean, obviously you need to be a somewhat remote area or at least an area where you get clear sky and not, too, I guess, not too much kind of uh, unnatural light. Doing this in New York City right now might be challenging, I guess, right? So many people don't have the active knowledge of the stars like you know, especially if you live in a city like new york you can only see like, probably less than i think it's less than 50 of the brightest stars and that's it where and like even in my backyard here in chambersburg it's estimated i can see between like two and three thousand stars but whenever i go to cherry springs it's over ten thousand. yeah it's just completely overwhelming not just the amount of stars you can see but the actual definition in the milky way stretching overhead and seeing that structure. It's just, sorry, I get, I get in a rabbit hole and I, I can just ramble on and on about this. <laughs> I, 
I agree with you. Like the first time people see like the Milky Way with their bare eyes, it's amazing. I had the same experience out in Oregon. I saw the Milky Way. It's like, it must've been a moonless night. I don't remember exactly. But I said, I can see like the depth, like the layers of it. It's, it's amazing. Yes, absolutely. Like I always, I always take at least two of my kids. We have four kids over the last 17 years. So I usually take at least two of them, especially when I go to Cherry Springs. And, you know, they have a hard time staying up sometimes, but it, it was like partly cloudy one night up there. So they had fallen asleep in the tent and I'm laying out there in my hammock. And as soon as the, the clouds cleared, I went and woke them up and, you know, they got out of the tent and they're like, oh, it's still cloudy. It's still cloudy, dad. And I'm like, no, that is clouds, but that is not a cloud in our atmosphere, kiddo. That is the structure of our galaxy. And they're like, what? Like, it's just, and it doesn't matter who I talk to. Like, even like with meeting up with, you know, three or four people here in town and looking at Jupiter and Saturn, like old and young alike, all the kids are especially amazed, but even People, my parents' age are amazed when they see Jupiter with their own eyes for the first time. You know, it's just people are inquisitive about this. It's just not available to them. So I'm just trying to bridge that gap, you know. <laughs> sure. Awesome. And just the last thing, as you said, I, I, uh, how we don't see this now. I mean, I think about a thousand years ago, like people saw this every night yeah. and imagine kind of how they felt about the world, you know, being a part of the world versus us. like. And not being able to explain it and, you know, developing these myths and legends or whatever to try to put a story to that. It's just fascinating. Everything about it is fascinating. Yes. And then building devices to try to see it better, right? I mean, that's like the whole story is so amazing. It's really phenomenal that we've gotten to the point that we've gotten to. Um, And as a theme, we mentioned learning a few times. This is a new new endeavor for you. You're picking up quite a few things. Also for your career, uh, and also as you put a label in your Instagram, you call yourself a quasi-engineer, even though uh, you've been doing uh, engineering for 20 years. Maybe you can think back to kind of the, uh, the early parts of engineering in your career. How did you pick that up? Uh, why do you call yourself a quasi-engineer? Uh, well, the quasi-engineer thing comes from, you know, I'm, I'm not a degreed engineer. I didn't go to, my education isn't in engineering, so I've basically been working around a bunch of smart people for almost 20 years and absorbing what I can from them. And, you know, uh, getting into it initially, I uh, got into it straight out of high school. I joined the, uh, the Air Force, went to uh, Air Force Technical School. I actually turned 18 at tech school. And how do you end up in the, on a technical track in the Air Force compared to, I don't know what other tracks there would be, I guess. Do they kind of vet your interests or was there like something that you already knew you wanted to kind of work on? Maybe a bad question. You know, the Air Force suggests kind of some technical things since you have to get things into the air. But <laughs> no, that's actually a great question, Bill. Um, so initially, my plan was to get into something in the medical field. So from when I was 13 until I was 17, I worked at a pharmacy in the local town. So I wanted to get into something along those lines. And it was a, a year and a half wait to get into a tech school slot. So I could, I would have to wait a year and a half before I could go to basic and then to training. And um, I just didn't really care for that. I wanted to get out and see the world, you know, and get the show on the road kind of thing. So I you know, picked two other jobs, you know, as, oh, that, that one sounds kind of cool. My third choice was uh, missiles. I was like, oh, that, that sounds pretty interesting. I've always liked to tinker around with stuff, you know taking apart remote control cars and whatnot. I, I'm pretty handy like that. So I put it as my third choice and apparently I tested pretty good and they 
gave me the opportunity to uh, get into that kind of technical field. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, so it's a certain level of interest and then aptitude. Yes, sir. It reminds me of a story my father told me being drafted to the military during World War II. And he had worked at a grocery store as a kid. And uh, they put him into the mess hall as a cook. And he said, I have no idea how to cook. And the sergeant said to him, well, he goes, you know the difference between a potato and a tomato. So you're a cook now. <laughs> Absolutely. That's good stuff. Total sidetrack. Tony, you got a question? Oh, you're good. <laughs> In the astrophotography community, uh, there's something that is called a star party. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I went to my first star party recently, and uh, let me tell you, it was quite the experience. I highly recommend it to every human on the planet. So just imagine people from vastly different backgrounds just going to a, a dark field in the middle of nowhere, like at least an hour from the nearest city. And we're all just setting up our telescopes, you know, waiting for dark and nighttime comes around, start our imaging rigs and they're just imaging away. And we're just standing around, you know, gazing up at the Milky Way stretched overhead. You can see it plain as, you know, awe-inspiring seeing this arch of the Milky Way right over the top of your head. And we're just sitting there, you know, talking about whatever random topic we happen to be on. And all of a sudden, whoosh, you know, you see this bright flash across the sky and the whole field lights up with excitement. Like everybody's like, oh, wow, did you see that? And it's like, you know, 80 or 80 to 100 people out there sharing this amazing human experience. It's, it's just, I can't say, speak highly enough about it. I want to go to a star party. <laughs> so can, can anyone go without a, can we just show up at a star party? If you don't have a rig, you can, uh, you can like just hang out and like look up. Absolutely. This community is one of the most, is one of the friendliest I've ever been a part of. Randomly throughout the night, I'll go back and check on my imaging rig. And while I'm, you know, walking across the field, uh, somebody's got their telescope out and they're looking through it instead of with a camera, you know, instead of taking pictures, they're just observing. So I'll stop in and you can stop in wherever and people are more than more than happy to let you take a look at what they happen to be looking at. When you started with um, a dark field in the middle of nowhere and a shared, awe-inspiring human experience, I immediately said, oh, it sounds like a rave, I'll be honest. <laughs> 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 oh, well. This is the original rave. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Another topic that kind of comes up, and I think we talked a little bit about on the uh, our chemistry call, our intro call, was uh, about being a little introverted. And a lot of our engineering uh, guests sometimes are a little introverted. And you're saying these star parties are a great place for an introvert. It's like, you know, you could be doing this in your backyard, but you can actually take your rig out there and meet 80 other people to common interest and then get to know people through a community. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of unusual because usually I'm not as outgoing as that. But something about this hobby, it, I just... I have to share it with others. So it, it forces me to come out of my shell. Like I, I can't, I'm not satisfied just sitting out there looking through my telescope or taking pictures and keeping that to myself. Like this is just, this stuff is too amazing. I have to share it with others and I want to get other people excited about it. That's really interesting. Some of our other guests have tried to define what is art. And part of that component is that uh, art has to be shared with others. It's if you just did a painting in your room, is that really art? Uh, it's only art when other people can interact with it. Yes, sir. So, Elliot, what is next for you? We talked about astrophotography and the different levels, professionally, personally. What's, uh, what's next for you in this unusual times? 
Well, for astrophotography, I recently purchased an, an older uh, Mead telescope. It's it's little, almost as old as me. It's about 20 years old. And so I, I want to uh, get that thing working. So I've been currently troubleshooting that one and just trying to get it into operational state. And uh, my goal is to use that uh, telescope when I meet up with people here locally in the community. So I started a Facebook group locally in the county here. And I think we've got 50 or 60 members in there. So I, anytime there's a meteor shower or Venus is going to be particularly bright or something like that, the space station is flying over, I'll send out a, a little note, you know, a, a, an announcement to the people in the group saying, hey, you know, at 730, the space station is going to be passing directly overhead. So I want to use this telescope, you know, in that kind of outreach. And just out of curiosity, why did you purchase that particular me telescope? Was it of a particular specification for astrophotography? It's differently, it's, it's a different type of telescope than the other two that I have. So it's kind of a the curiosity. I want to try to figure out a different style of telescope. I have a question along that line, considering that you're kind of a quasi-engineer, and, and I think a lot of people get into this. Do, do people um, hack together their own types of rigs, you know, either building telescopes, or I think I had read that, like maybe, but maybe that's earlier you, know, you almost had to build the equipment to do what you wanted to do, which a lot of artists kind of talk about having to do sometimes. And engineers, obviously. Yeah, mostly what's available now, you know, people typically buy what's off the shelf, mm -hmm. you know, what's readily available. But uh, there's several people I know that have made their own telescopes, even made their own trackers. So one of them's uh, called a, a barn door star tracker. Uh, I'll have to send you the, uh, the specifications on that. It's really interesting uh, design. But yeah, people are, they're, they're very creative, like just trying to uh, solve little problems that they have in their backyard, you know, with whatever happens to be around. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. So professionally, um, I'm in a really great place right now. So I couldn't really ask for more on that front. I have a really great job. So, uh, but personally there are, there is uh, some exciting stuff coming up. My wife, Holly, she's actually finishing her master's in psychology here in a few weeks. So we're extremely excited to celebrate that accomplishment and, to find out what doors open for her, you know, going forward. Excellent. Excellent. Awesome. Congratulations. I'll be sure to pass that along. Does she have an analysis of why you're interested in this that you know? Uh, she's probably got a lot of analyses about <laughs> me. <laughs> All right. All right. Any last uh, thoughts or questions, Bill? No, this has been a lot of fun, and uh, it's been great getting to know you uh, on social media and now uh, in person, and, and thanks for being a fan of the show as well and, and educating us a little bit about this, uh, this fascinating space. And I do want to come to a star party. I think Tony and I should totally, um, I think it's going to have to be in the warmer weather because I'm not going to stand in a dark field and the cold. I'm not that tough. Tony's tough like that. He might go. But. I highly recommend it, Bill. It'll have to be in the summer or something. <laughs> All right. So, uh, hey, I really appreciate y'all having me on, guys. It's, it's been a pleasure and just truly, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for getting this visibility for the, uh, the astro community. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You can email us at podcast at theartistengineer.com if you have show ideas or want to follow up with feedback or just want to say hi. We'd love to hear from you, so feel free to connect. You can find more information about this episode in the show notes at www.theartistengineer.com. 
And finally, if you enjoy the show, please leave an iTunes review as it helps the show get discovered by more people. And also hit the subscribe button.